Welcome to Discover. We're glad you joined us today on our podcast. Be sure to check us out online at discovercc.org. Today, we continue in our series called Anxious for Nothing, based on the book by Max Lucado. We're looking at practical, God-centered resources that can help us discover peace in a chaotic world. Here is Steve Murphy, our lead minister. And we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6 today. 2 Kings chapter 6, if you want to go ahead and turn there. We'll also be in Philippians 4, where we've been for the entirety of this series. Um, so, first, or what? 2 Kings <laughs> chapter 6 and uh, Philippians chapter 4 is where we'll be. We're talking today about God's peace. God's peace. There was a contest once to see which artist could paint the, the best portrait of peace. So two paintings rose to the top. One of them was just a beautiful, serene mountain setting. Uh, there was just a, a crystal clear lake. And it reflected the, the majestic mountains and the, the blue sky with its puffy white clouds. And you could just look at that and you would think, wow, that is a, a picture of peace. The second painting that rose to the top was also a mountain scene, but its mountains were, were bare. They were rugged, and, and there was an angry sky that was dark with, with lots of clouds that were very ominous, and lightning, and torrential rain. And down the side of the mountain, there was this a torrential waterfall, just a powerful waterfall. But behind that waterfall, in a bush, there was a nest with a mother and her baby birds. And this, too, was an amazing picture of peace. And that's actually the picture that won. The judges chose that picture because the reality is this. Peace is not the absence of of storms. It's not the absence of chaos. It's not the absence of difficulty. Peace is the confidence and the calm that comes in the middle of those storms. And that's what we have in God. We have God's peace that goes beyond any peace that this world can give. And that's what we're going to talk about today, God's peace. We see a, a picture of this in Second Kings chapter 6. So we're going to dive right in. Just a real quick background. Israel and Syria are, are fighting. And every time Syria comes to attack Israel, Israel knows what's going to happen. And they can't figure out what's going on. Well, finally they find out that one of the prophets, Elisha, is giving information to the king of Israel. God has given Elisha the information. Elisha gives the information to the king of Israel. And so every attack by Syria is, is thwarted. Well, the king of Syria finds out where Elisha is staying, and here's what happens. So, 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 14. So he, that's the king, sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. 
When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So the servant wakes up in the morning. He wipes the sleep out of his eyes and looks up. And then he wipes the sleep out of his eyes again. Surely this can't be. They are completely surrounded. Thousands of army members, their enemy has completely surrounded them. Now, I don't know the last time you said, alas. But the word is significant. Alas! It means, it's, it's like a guttural response. It's kind of a primitive word that just comes from the depth of your soul. And you say, Ugh, what in the world are we going to do? Now, if you were there, what would you say? What would your response be? If I was there, what would my response be? Well, let's look at how Elisha responds. Verse 16, he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. <laughs> Elisha saw something that your eyes cannot see. Elisha saw that though the army, the enemy surrounded them, they were overmatched, overpowered, surrounded by God and God's forces. And that is awesome. And that brought comfort. That made him rejoice. That brought him peace. Let's continue on. Verse 18, and, then the Sir and when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. Now, I don't know about you, but we've been talking about how we need to respond with gentleness. Do you remember that from a couple of weeks ago? So in this chaotic situation, Elisha prays for people to go blind. Now, I don't know, that doesn't seem like the nicest thing, does it to you? <laughs> hey, God, make these people blind. But in reality, in this case, blindness was kindness. Because here's what happens. You can read the story for yourself. Elisha takes the people. He leads them. Once they're blind, they don't know what to do. So he leads them, takes them to where the, the king of Israel is. Then he prays again, and he asks God to open their eyes. And their eyes are open, and they now notice, the, the enemy now notices they are the ones who are surrounded. They are the ones who are in trouble. And in fact, the king of Israel says, all right, let's kill them all. But Elisha says, no, we're not going to do that. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to throw a party. We're going to have a banquet. We're going to have a feast for them. What? That's what he does. He blesses them. They have this amazing feast. And then... Elisha sends them home. Guess what? Those people no longer attacked Israel. The gentle response brought them to a place that was different, brought them to a place 
of less conflict, of peace. Now, this story in the Old Testament kind of parallels what we've been talking about in Philippians chapter 4. And I'd like for us to all, if you have this memorized, that's awesome. But if not, that's totally fine. We're going to read Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I want you to read it nice and loud, okay? Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not just about anything, but in every situation, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. That is what happened in this story. That's what we see. Now, verse 7, which is the verse we're going to talk about a little bit today, begins with a really important word. The word and. The word and because... Verse 7 is completely connected to verses 4, 5, and 6 because it says, and. See, and is a small word, but it packs a lot of power. The definition of it is, it's something that connects parts of speech, clauses, or sentences that are made to be taken together. So, bread and butter, peanut butter and jelly, smart and handsome. (laughs) All of those. So again, it connects all of this together. Rejoice always. Be gentle. You realize that God is near. Pray with thanksgiving. And God's peace will overwhelm you. God's peace will be with you. And for us to have that kind of mentality requires spiritual vision like Elisha had. We have to be able to see that God is with us, that God is greater no matter what's going on around us. And so we rejoice. We rejoice. You know, when difficult times come, if you choose not to rejoice, if you do not praise God, then you are, you are undermining the peace process for your own life. But when you rejoice, not because of the circumstances perhaps, but within the circumstances, you are walking the road to peace. Elisha had an attitude of joy. He rejoiced in God, not just with his lips, but in his heart. He was confident, rejoicing in who God was. We we are gentle in our response. You know, sometimes I think we lose control in the situation because we don't believe God is in control of the situation. But when we have the ability to recognize that God is present, that God is with us, and that God has all of this, then we're on the path to peace. And a Holy Spirit-inspired gentleness flows in us and through us. Elisha responded with gentleness. Because he was powerfully strengthened by the awareness that God was with them. Pray. You know, when we don't talk to God, but we just act instead, we are short-circuiting God's desire to be sufficient in the situation 
as we apply our own insufficient remedies. But when you prayerfully thank God, specifically asking for the things that we need, asking for his will to be done no matter what's going on, then we're on the path to peace. And we see in this story that Elisha prayed more than once, confident that God would act, and he did. So we don't rejoice necessarily over difficult circumstances, but we rejoice that God is with us in the circumstances. And as our rejoicing increases, our anxiousness goes down. When our awareness of God's presence grows, then our worry shrinks. When gentleness rises up, tension fades away. Thankful prayer increases and distress decreases. So rejoice, be gentle, be aware that God is with you, and pray. Those are the things that we are supposed to do. And then God does what only God can do, something we can never do on our own. God produces, God provides peace. Peace. And we rest in it. We are blessed by it as we experience God's peace. Now, as a side note, the letter E on my laptop sometimes is a little bit sketchy. So when I was typing this part of the slide where it says experience God's peace, the first E in the word peace didn't come out. So it said experience God's pace. And then I thought, wow, maybe that's not a coincidence. How often do we miss God's peace because we run at some frenetic, hectic pace and does not allow us to even recognize that God is with us? Where we don't take time to rejoice. We don't stop to pray. God wants us to experience his peace, but we have to do it in his time and in his plan. And here's what's cool. God says that this peace that he provides is going to guard our hearts and our minds. Our hearts and our minds. Well, what does that mean? We have to understand the biblical definition of the word heart. Obviously, there's the physical organ. We get that. It's the thing that pumps the blood. But the heart is something much deeper than that. Easton's Bible Dictionary gives a pretty good definition. It says, the heart is the center not only of our spiritual activity, but of all the operations of human life. The heart is the home of the personal life. It's also the seat of the conscience. The process of salvation begins in the heart. So the heart is the spiritual core of who we are. It's, it's the center of our being. And as you know, the heart is also often associated with emotion. And so what God is saying is, I want to provide peace for you in the very deepest part of your being, way down where you are. I want to meet you there in the place that is most essential. And I'm going to provide a peace that is palpable and it goes all the way down. And so we don't say, alas, we say, yes, God is with me in that very deep part of our being. 
God also says that he provides peace in our minds. This is where we have our intellectual capacity, where we think, where we process. And as you know, if you struggle at all with anxiety, this is a battleground. A lot of times in our minds, we struggle because we begin to process and we create, we invent outcomes. Negative things that may happen and worry and anxiety set in. Things that almost never come to pass. And so God wants to meet us there in that place as well. And provide a peace for us. It's interesting, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry for itself. The peace of God meets us in our minds so that we can be clear, we can be focused, we can see reality. And God gives us relaxation and rest so we can sleep, so we can function. And God does this no matter the circumstances. Now, again, we we want to always say this. There is a, a type of anxiety, some struggles that need additional help. You, you may need to find a professional counselor, especially a Christian counselor, who can come alongside you and help you process through these things. And we encourage you to do that. Perhaps you need some medicines to help through that process as well. Again, we believe that that's totally fine because we have challenges. If I wear glasses, it doesn't mean that I have a lack of faith. It means that I need some additional help. And so we encourage you to do that, again, especially in a Christian context, if at all possible, because that's part of how God will bring peace to some people. So God's peace, it's incredible, it's real, it's amazing. And there's another word here in verse 7 that's very important, another short word. First is the word and, and the other short word is the word in. Two letters this time, but it's incredibly powerful because it points to the source of our peace, being in Jesus. God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus in relationship with God. Every other kind of peace is unsatisfactory. Every other kind of peace is temporary. But in Jesus, we have peace that is 100% satisfactory. And it is for today and tomorrow and every day for eternity. It's why Jesus said this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
God says he will provide peace. And God does what he says. Amen? He does. In the book, Anxious for Nothing, Max Lucado writes, when parents send their kids to summer camp, they have to sign certain documents. God signed his. When you gave your life to him, he took responsibility for you. You are his sheep. He is your shepherd. You are a bride. He is your bridegroom. You are his child. He is your father. You can have peace in the midst of the storm because you are not alone. You belong to God. In the storm, you can have peace. Many of you know the words to the song, It Is Well With My Soul. It's a, it's a famous, beloved hymn. Up here on the screen is the original document where Horatio Spafford penned the words. Some of you know the story behind this song, and it's powerful. Horatio Spafford was a senior partner in a Chicago law firm, doing very well. He and his wife were devout Christians. They were, they were also very popular, well-known, prestigious members of the Chicago community. It looked like they had everything, and to a certain extent, they did. But, and Horatio suffered the loss of their four-year-old son to pneumonia. Not long after that, they lost a great amount of real estate in the Great Chicago Fire. In fact, they experienced so much hardship and suffering that, get this, their church officially stated that their family was under God's punishment. Well, Horatio said, we need to get away for a bit. We need an extended vacation. And they were friends with Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist, preacher. And he was in England, and they said, we're going to go to England. Horatio had some uh, things that he needed to finish up in Chicago, some business. And so he sent Anna and their four daughters on ahead to England on a ship. Well, that ship on its way collided with another ship. And 226 people died, including all four of their daughters. And Anna sent a message back to Horatio, saved alone. Everyone else died in our family. Horatio took the same exact route on a boat to England, and it was on that journey that he wrote the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now how? How? How do you honestly say it is well with my soul when you've lost five children, four of them in one horrific accident where many other lives were also lost. How are you able to think, to believe that 
it is well as you pass through the place of their watery grave. There's only way he, one way he was able to do that. It was because he was in Jesus. He had a relationship with God through Jesus. The Holy Spirit was in his life. Some of you know that we served as missionaries in Venezuela. And when we went to Venezuela in 2001, uh, President Chavez had been ousted um, in a coup two weeks before we were supposed to go. And uh, then he was reinstalled three days later by the uh, military. And uh, when we were going, people asked us, are you still going? I mean, the situation is a little chaotic. And we said, yeah, we're going because we feel peace. We believe this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing and where God is sending us. And if you fast forward 18 years to, to the present day, many of you are aware of the situation in Venezuela, and it is horrific. It's very, very, very bad. And yet we still have brothers and sisters who were there, missionaries, people in churches who just love Jesus. And I will tell you, it's incredibly hard and it's incredibly chaotic and it's violent and it's frightening. And yet those brothers and sisters in Jesus would say, it's okay. God's still in control. And they still worship and praise God. And it's not just a Sunday morning experience. Trust me. It is a daily, hourly rejoicing even in the difficulty. And they are able to somehow recognize the presence of God and respond with gentleness to the people around them in the midst of the chaos. And they pray consistently and fervently. And if you would ask them, how are you able to do that? They would answer the exact same way that Horatio Spafford would answer. In Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. In our own strength, it's impossible. But in Jesus, we have a peace that goes beyond anything the world can explain. And God provides it in the very depth of our being and in our intellectual processes. Because that's how good God is. Our hearts and our minds can be at rest through peace that we have in Jesus. Just close your eyes. I want to read over us. Allow God's word to just wash over us. As we hear Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we, we look to you because um, you are able. You are sufficient. We trust you to show up in our challenging circumstances. And to respond to our prayers with your perfect answers. 
and to give us peace. And we will rejoice. God, we come to you not on our own, but in Jesus. Amen.